This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Welcome to another episode, and today we're going to try to do another karate saying. Ooh, another karate saying. And I'm very excited to introduce our fun saying today. Can't wait. If your karate is perfect, you never have to use it. But before we jump into that saying, I'll start by saying I'm Sensei Jackie. As usual, I'm Sensei Michelle. And I'm Landon. And today, we don't have a guest. We just have the pleasure of our own company. (laughs) (laughs) And we always are looking for guests. So if you're interested, reach out. And of course, we are all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. And on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Oh, and if you go to wildcatdojo.com, you can find all our episodes there. Ooh. Oh, really? That's perfect. Or you you could email us at dojoconversations at aol.com. So get in touch, people. Landon and I have even added a Thursday occasional shout out. Us. And there's a competition going on on Twitter regarding who tweets what. Yes. So you should join in. Who made the tweet? That is the question. (laughs) Now... This is an excellent saying for them to respond to because the first time you hear it, it vexes your brain. You go first, Landon. Do you remember the first time you heard it? I don't remember exactly when it was, but I do remember thinking, what in the heck does this mean? (laughs) And I was talking to my dad this morning and we were talking about what episode we were doing today. And he goes, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) It's a confusing sentence. How about you, Sensei Jackie? Where were you? I was in a morning class. As it turns out, all women were in that class. And each day, Sensei Michelle, who was the teacher, would talk about something philosophical. And we were sitting on the floor listening. And I heard her say, if your karate is perfect, you never have to use it. And the first thing that came into my mind is, why am I here? I hadn't thought of it that way. That is hilarious. It's like lose students much. (laughs) And that's where I heard it. I have no idea where I was the first time I heard this or at what level of training I was. No idea. But I do remember going through a phase where I was in a quandary. You know, what are they trying to say here? So let's try to give a capsulated version. What are you trying to say here? And then we'll go on to more opinions. Well, I think Sensei, I heard you say this to one of the uh, not-so-young children, let's say somebody who is in fourth or fifth grade. You told them that if your karate is the way it should be, you're always going to find another way to solve the problem than by hitting. Ta-da. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Because people, when they see karate, they think it's only hitting. That's right. And I took it from a different angle as... Your practice makes your control. And this isn't necessarily a physical issue. This is a mental issue. Okay. So I think you're both saying the same thing, just from different perspectives. I think so. So first thing we need to do is explain to you, just from our standpoint, what do we mean by there are other things we learn in karate other than hitting? Because certainly the punching and the kicking is what we do, (laughs) right? That is what we do. That is what we do. But there are other aspects, and I don't want to get too complicated, so Mm -hmm. let's try to keep it simple, and let's try to do it round robin. Us. I don't have a problem with starting, and I don't have a problem with somebody else starting. 
what encompasses karate training other than the physical defense, which is our favorite part? I think I've always said this on the show is the mental aspect of karate encompasses everything we do. When you're punching and kicking, you have to have the mental control. When you're doing sparring, you have to have the mental control to stay calm. That essentially turns into what this saying says. Okay, that was excellent. Here's my question. Are we going to go with mental focus or are we going to go with self-control? Because they're both good, aren't they? I think that self-control ties into everything that we do. I think mental focus is important. Yes, we'll get, I'm sure we're, one of us will pick that one. Oh, definitely. But okay, I think that, so, that self-control aspect is literally intertwined in everything. So let's stick on self-control for a minute. There are so many examples in today's news about people losing their temper mm. and losing perspective and then later saying way more than the word oops. It's one thing if it's an oops moment. It's another thing if it's a total life-changing moment in some sort of rage and the self-control that allows you to step forward and defend yourself in the terrible, terrible situation that might ever come forward is the same self-control that allows you to walk away from something that is not really dangerous. It's just bothersome. That's right. But in order to do that, I think the first thing we learn is to take a deep breath. So, so we, we learned that, the the first trigger or non-trigger to self-control is that breath so that we can come back to some kind of reality. Center. Center. Mm-hmm. And even though it's in a flash, that we choose the right path of either going toward it or stepping back from it. Mm. Okay, I have two things to ask you about, Sensei Jackie, which, by the way, very impressive, right? Yes. One is, at this exact juncture, are you choosing centering as the word that you're doing in your round robin? Because we can always do more later. Yes. Okay. And two is, all three of us know and have touted a zillion times the power and importance of breathing down into your lower belly rather than um, panic breathing up in your upper chest. Correct? Correct. But this is one of the millions of things that is so much easier said than done. So what, what is a way when you were first trying to figure this out that you would like remind yourself to take that breath rather than turn and react? Well, that is such a good question. I think at the beginning of my karate training, I had to write the word breathe around the house a bunch of times because I didn't remember it when the hard times came. So I had to practice it, even if I was just on a phone call with somebody difficult from the insurance company, so that I would get into the habit of taking that breath. And then, even though this goes to a subject we've talked about so many times, doing meditation for a very short time in the mornings forced me to have a calm, clear, patterned kind of breath. Both good examples. Very good. I just am going to LOL a little bit here at you that you specifically chose insurance companies. We could have gone the gamut of people we call who are a pain in the neck, but hey, for her, that's the trigger. And if you work for an insurance company, I hope you still love us. (laughs) We don't mean it personally. We swear. Just get in touch and we'll teach you how to do the centering. 
Those are two good examples. I want to add real quick that there is no small, medium, or large amount of meditation time. Hey, whatever time you put in is quality time, folks. If you spend 15 minutes, have at it. If you spend 10, I'm now got to go down to five just to make all my little ducks be in a row. It's all good, right? That's right. Us. And one thing that taking it away a little bit from karate is there's been a lot of times that I've been very frustrated with an email or a text where somebody said something that I was like, oh no, don't say that. And you want to respond with this just aggressive, rude response. And you have to wait a minute. You have to put the email away or the text away, and then you come back to it. 100% agree. We all agree with him, right? And this happens a lot. Of course. The reason these are great examples to me is because that is when you have the beat. Mm. You know it's a true emergency because you don't have a beat. You've got to, you know, put out the fire or... um, stop the flood waters or like it's a real live emergency or the person is actually physically touching you and you've got to defend yourself. If those things are not happening and you have that beat, take it. They did not invent the sentence count to 10 250 years ago. I just made that number up uh, because it wasn't true. Of course. And one thing that I've been interested in and one thing that we may get to is the concept of karate being perfect. Mm -hmm. that we say so much that your karate is always adapting. Mm -hmm. uh, We're always growing and changing. Right. Or we say all the time that your karate is always evolving. So do we really ever have that perfect moment? (laughs) That's that's a tricky one. Because I've, I've always heard people say not practice makes perfect, practice makes progress. I like that one. And we've used that one before on the show. We've also done... Uh, a meditation short, which we will tag in. And um, a little tease, we're hoping to have an entire episode on breathing. Us. We're really, fingers crossed, going to have that in the next eight weeks. So fingers crossed we can get to that. But all the karate sayings that we talk about, their job is to make you look beyond the kick and the punch Mm -hmm. and look at yourself in depth. Like a karate saying we should do is... um, our biggest opponent is ourself. Us. So mm-hmm. I'll put that on the list, okay? That's great. All That's right. It. Let's go on to what I was thinking of. And it and I are serious frenemies, so it will not surprise you that I picked one of the things that you are supposed to get that is not specifically about the kick and the punch from karate is patience. Ah. <laughs> How far would patience go in daily life to help you with, well, Impatience. (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounded redundant, as does a lot of the karate things. Yes. How far would that go? And as we've said many times, patience comes from your chi pocket and it is a choice. And we get back to basically the first things that we've said about this saying. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are not training in a dojo, you totally should. Please. Your chi is an internal strength, an internal steelness that you have that allows you to have both patience and, quoting Master Collegian here, the will to act, the ability to just go to it if it's an emergency. They're both the same skill. They both emanate from the same power, which is your chi line. It's a very easy Google search, and we did an episode on it, so I'll tag it for people who might want to hear a little bit more about it. But meanwhile... 
And I'm going to say another episode so we get another tag down below, guys. Wow. Is also one of those things that if you try to get it to come up in you by taking that breath, correct? Yes. The more you do it, the better you get at it. So what you do a lot of, you you become become very very good at. at. (laughs) Ta-da! And so there are so many aspects to martial arts training in what Master Collegian would call an internal style, a style that works on both your um, your chi line, your ability to have your self-control, all the things we're talking about, and your physicality, your strength, and your techniques, and so on and so forth. If you're training in that style, you are doing more than just preparing for battle. Mm-hmm. And going to what you said about chi, when we look at it from the self-control aspect, is it almost kind of like your chi control? Because there's a lot of times that you breathe down into your, your chi pocket that can help you be centered. I know there's a lot of times before sparring, I'll breathe down into my chi and I'll just, and it gives you that calmness. So does that tie into your self-control as well? Okay, so here's the thing. Where all this is concerned, I don't think it's objective. I think it's subjective. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we're three people. We're going to ask three people, and we'll get three differing opinions, correct? That's right. Only speaking from my experience, I think of my chi line as a referee in a crazy game. (laughs) And when the jury's out on what Was that a fair play? Was that not fair play? Should there be another action? Should we start in a timeout? That's where I try to go, to center myself and start again. So rather than me controlling my chi line, I think my chi line is the voice of reason in a wacky mental world that is Sensei Michelle. (laughs) Did it even make sense? No, it did. And I think that you kind of connected what I was thinking is that they are intertwined. Oh, yes. When we were talking about kicking and punching, one of the aspects of kicking and punching to me is that by doing it over and over, we are not only perfecting the movement, but it puts us into a state where we can do that and still work on our own centering. Because it's it reminds me of that book, Uh, chop wood, carry water, that by doing the most, quote, mundane type of movement, you're strengthening your chi, your center, your breathing, and that movement itself. So I can see where it's not just punching and kicking. It's punching and kicking that are used to strengthen the individual. Okay. First off, I want to say, we have an upcoming book episode. Yay! So when we're with our book crew, we'll say, hey, let's try Chop Wood, Carry Water as an idea, because it's a good one. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Yes. And to that same end, I want to say, it leads me to another karate saying, and let me see if I got this one correct, but my goodness, there's a lot of them. And that is that repetition beats intensity. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if we did an episode on that. Do you feel like we we did? we did not. Okay, so I'll add that to the list. That's too hard for us to explain in this episode. But the short version is that something that you do so many times will be muscle memorized. Even if the muscle is your brain 
or your heart. Mm. Right. So therefore, if you're practicing having a calm reaction or a calm action in the face of chaos, then that's more likely to come up as the chaos gets more and more frantic. That's correct. And that's what all this is about. Instead of lashing out irrationally or otherwise, it's all about um, approaching it with a calm stance and figuring it out. We used to know a full contact fighter that they called the technician. And I loved his name, you know, his nickname as a fighter, because he never let the fight rile him. Mm. Like you would see in a full contact fight, which was what they did before MMA guys. Right. The person, as the rounds went on, would get more and more into the, it is the emotional aspect of it, because whether it's anger or adrenaline or excitement, they're all an emotional response. But this person would just stay so focused. First I go here, then I go there, then I do this. This is it. This is what I do. And I love that aspect of the fight because the more you can not be angry, the more you can be successful. And we've touched on that many times in this podcast. Many times. Yes, Sensei. There are other aspects to karate training that we did not name here that are an integral part of that saying, if your karate is perfect, you never have to use it. So tell us some of the ones that we missed that we could have said in this podcast, please. Okay, guys? Yes. That would be great to hear from everybody about their feelings on this saying. Yeah. What they remember, um, how they apply it to their lives, all those kind of things. And also, do they agree with it? Oh, good one. Very good one. Okay. So here's what I was thinking before we came out here today. I was thinking, huh, I wonder how we should end this podcast. (laughs) So first off, I think we should tell a karate joke at the end of the show. So we'll look one up before we close out. But before that, my memory of my experience with Master Collegian as my teacher of swordsmanship used to say something that resembled the better you become with your swordsmanship, it is shown by the idea that the sword never leaves your sheath. Hmm. And is that not exactly the same sentence? It certainly parallels it to me. So I tried to look it up before I got here because I don't have the saying. So if you trained with me when Master Collegian was working with all this and you were smart enough to write it down and remember it, will you please give me a shout out so I can add it to the next episode or two? The only one I could find that was close was a quote from an Akira Kurosawa movie. Whew, say that fast. And the name of the movie is Sanjuro, which I did not see, although I am a fan. And the swordsman said, the best sword is kept in its sheath. Oh, so it has a similarity. It's not exactly the same, but it is. It has a similarity and it kind of brings to our minds the fact that this is not something that was invented in 1995 or in 1925. It dates back to the early years of martial arts training. Yes. And it's, it's a philosophical thought that seems to have traveled from that through our time now and probably on to the future. Okay, I'm going to add one thing. And I hope this isn't too controversial, but I'm glad we're following this with a joke. Occasionally, when people ask me about karate training, and they just want to know like a little bit more about it, I say, if you train someone to be seriously courteous, but you don't train them in how to defend themselves, then they're vulnerable to bullies. 
And bullies come in all shapes, folks, not just third graders. That's correct. But if you train someone in how to fight real good, but you don't give them a courtesy line, then you're actually creating the bully. Hmm. And I've used that sentence many, many times in trying to describe to people who are confused as to why we touch on both things in a dojo. One or the other is what they wanted me to have more emphasis on. Hmm. And this sort of goes along with the same thing, doesn't it? It certainly does. And don't you always say that as one rises, the other should too? It has been my experience in my own life. And it has been my experience in watching people for very many years now train with me that if your karate is growing stronger, your fighting skills are growing stronger, then you are fine. And you, and you make your decisions out of a place of real, true internal confidence and not out of a reaction to the world around you. That really does bring us full circle on this. I think so, Sensei. Okay, we need two minutes of levity. We're going to try real hard to find you guys a joke. We used our magic pause button, and we did find three jokes. I can't believe we found three. Well, they're not all good. Well, they're all jokes. (laughs) That's right. Here we go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Sensei. Sensei who? I sense a bad joke coming. (laughs) She's probably right. She senses correctly. Have you seen the new karate opera? Tell us about it. Critics are calling it sensational. Oh. Okay, I'm not going to do much better, but maybe we'll at least get a small ungrown. Here we go. Why did the cupboard learn karate? Now, hear that sentence, guys. Cupboard learn karate for shelf defense. But a bump. And on that note, we're going to move on to a much brighter topic. Honor Athletics, Athletics, of of course, course. where you can't buy jokes, but you can buy karate equipment that you can joke about. And you can use for your own personal training. And you know what? If this podcast motivated you to find a dojo, hey, let us know. Because that is so awesome. Back to Cynthia at Honor Athletics. You can reach her at honor-athletics.com or scroll down and click her link. You can give her a call at 770 Nine four five five one five zero. Don't forget to mention us, Wildcat Dojo, to get your ten percent discount, and we would certainly appreciate your business. Awesome. See you guys. It was easy. Now, hopefully, you understand a little bit what the saying "If your karate is perfect, you never have to use it" means. Us. We, we sure hope so. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye, everyone. And on that note, you know I'm signing us out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.